you can't hide from the Lord. I can't hide my motives. I can't make excuses and try to dodge the real meaning. The Lord already knows my motive. Hey friend, before we go into this week's episode, I want to make sure that you are signed up to be entered to win our 10 weeks of Christmas giveaways. It's happening right now and all you need to do to be entered is be on our email list. So if you get our weekly emails every Friday, you're already entered. If you are not signed up to get our weekly emails, you're not entered to win. So all you need to do is go to a wifelikeme.com, sign up for our freebies. Just scroll down, you'll see it's all over the website. Sign up for our freebies and that gets you onto our weekly email and you then are entered to win. And we've got so many giveaways, you do not want to miss these 10 weeks. So go over there right now, pause this episode and then come back and then listen. Today's episode is so good. This is a topic that I've spoken on before at our local church. It is near and dear to my heart because I struggle with it so much. We have our friend Kelly Brinkman with us. She's back and she's talking about the concept of how to break free from meism. Simple ways that we can get out of this mindset and this lifestyle where it's all about us. I know, right? It's super uncomfy and it's super hard, but it's true and we need to talk about it. Kelly's a dear friend. If you have not gone over to her website, you need to do that. She's an interactive potter. She's a speaker. You should absolutely have her come and speak to your church, to your women, your community. You can find her at kellybrinkman.com and we are linking her in the show notes. But she's going to talk about this concept of meism again. If you've never heard about it or um, talked about it, it's really this mindset that we get into this sort of cycle where we are focused on us, uh, how we can make our life easiest. It's focused on pleasure, comfort. Uh, We want to be right or at least known as though we're right. And it's important that we understand the biblical concept really about what Jesus has to say about this. What it's so comforting because Jesus's closest followers also struggled with meism. Um, and we also see then just ways we can break free from that. And Kelly gives us simple ways we can do that. So let's dive in. Let's listen to what Kelly has to say. And I'll be back at the end. Thanks, Amanda. You're right. Meism can be hard to see. It can look like everything is fine in pictures and images and from outward appearances. And displaying meism, it can even feel good. I mean, it busy can feel like we're accomplishing something. It can feel luxurious and all this time to ourselves and expenses spent on ourselves and our free time. And it can kind of trap you into a feel-good zone. It's easy to give in to all the messages that bombard us. Even cameras on our phones have a method to turn our gaze from an outward look to an inward view and selfies. So we are definitely battling a world that is focused on self and an entire culture that says me is more. But self-focus really is easier to see in black and white on our calendars, looking at our day or a week. And 
to circle the, the times that we have done something or prayed for someone else outside of our own selves. Um, our prayer board or journal that left blank can be an indication that we don't have a heart to be praying for someone else. We can track our activity for the day. You know, my I've worked with personal trainers and had them as friends through the years, and they say in order to lose weight, uh, you really need to look at your daily activity and what you consume. And so each moment of the day can be looked at as an indication of where our heart is. So in the same way I look at what I eat throughout the day at times, I can look at how I spend my time throughout the day. It's also a heart check and to really press in because meism and focus on self is idolatry. If we're just to call it what it is, it's idolatry and putting ourself above the needs of others and above God's best. So one of the first things I do out of three truths I'm going to share with you today is that our schedule is not our own. Now that may be a hard one to absorb because we think, well, this whole page in my paper planner or my online planner is blank. And so I am to fill it. But in Proverbs, we're reminded in Proverbs 16, 9, in their hearts, human plans, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And so truly, I can have an idea of what the day may entail. But if I hold it loosely, the Lord may reorder my day. Two, our purpose has been established. A lot of times by the world, we're told to put ourself first, more me time, right? Whatever um, quote you can think of or turn on your television or listen to radio. Our purpose has been established in Mark 1045. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. So it's clear that it's really not about us. You know, I've moved so many times in my life. In fact, right now I'm living in the 20th place, 20th that I've ever lived in in my life. And I only count the ones that I've lived longer than six weeks. Okay. Um, Camping out or living somewhere for short term does not count. So one of the things I do to acclimate to a new town quickly is I kind of force myself out of my comfort zone. And I say, today I'm going in three new stores. And I might do that every day for a full week or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so I try to pop into a convenience store here, a retail shop, a resale shop, um, different kinds of stores throughout town so that I get an understanding of what's available. I may not need them right now, but I may need them later on down the line. And so popping in new stores reminded me that I can do that in serving other people. You know, one of the ways that we could combat being focused on self is to literally schedule in and put some time on our calendar where we're going to do something for someone else. So we need to have the time in order to do that. But let's look a little deeper at the heart to be able to serve others. So unpack unpack meism with me a little further, looking at Matthew 25, 37 through 40. Whatever you did for the least of these you did for me, is how the story concludes there. And so at times we can think serving someone else may not make that much of an impact, but really if we view it for 
how God describes it. Every act that we do for someone else is a gift unto the Lord. And that verse is a reminder that we do it to the least of these and that it is done with a heart to serve him. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Now this is the one that established the name of my pottery studio, Art and Souls. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the Lord's first command. His second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I find that if I don't have a heart to reach out to others or to know their needs, that I need to first start by praying, Lord, help me to love you with my whole heart and with all my soul and with everything that I study, everything that I put into my mind. Would you give me a heart to love others as I love myself? So it starts with the right heart motive. Proverbs 16.2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Now, ladies, I have to tell you that one hits me square in the eye because you can't hide from the Lord. I can't hide my motives. I can't make excuses and try to dodge the real meaning. The Lord already knows my motive. He knows when I'm rushing past him so that I don't have to look at a deeper issue. He knows when I'm trying to put other things in place of his best, when I'm substituting a poor misfit solution in place for his best in a rich and full life. So I pray and ask for new eyes and insight. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 2 Corinthians 3.16. That's a reminder to me that I first have to pray and ask God to take that veil away. One of the things I do is restrict things that drain me. They may distract me or cause anxiety, invite me to compare. Any of those are sins. And Jesus says in his word to flee from sin and flee from temptation. So sometimes I have to restrict the things that drain me so that I can share from an overflowing cup. One thing I found to be effective is I can ask friends, how can I help? If I'm talking to them in person or on the phone and they're saying uh, maybe a situation that's going on in their life or they have a really busy week with school or with work, I could say, how can I help? And that immediately takes the conversation from me sharing and keeps it on them and says, how can I be a part of their world? How can I stop mine long enough to invest in theirs? I also find I have to budget resources for others. You know, the Lord says that he used a widow's might, just a small bit, to serve him and to honor him. And I can do that too. I can find a widow's might with my time, with the money God has entrusted to me, with encouragement, a note or a card. I can offer service. I can bless another couple with a date night. I can um, tuck an encouragement card in my Bible You know, here's some tricks that I have learned from others, and I use a couple of these myself. In the front of my Bible, I have some blank greeting cards. Um, They're just like colored cards. And even while I'm in church, if the Lord spurs me to write an encouragement note to someone, I'll write it right there. Maybe it's to someone on the worship team or the pastoral staff. 
or could be someone that I see in service or someone that the Lord puts on my heart in prayer. Then I write them that note right there because then I walk out of service and I can hand it to them or it's ready to mail and, and slip in the mail to them. I also keep money folded in my wallet. So I have different budgets for different expenses. I can, if I save a little money at the store on groceries that week or catch a sale um, at the retail store, I can tuck that extra five, six dollars back in my wallet and fold it in half. That kind of tells my brain, hey, this money is reserved for something else. So then I kind of store up a little nest egg that's five, six dollars, maybe turn into ten, fifteen dollars that I could use to bless someone. I could make another meal for them. I could pop by their office with some coffee and a little bit of time to hear what's on their heart and hear what's going on. So I use that as a way to free up some money to help. I can also give items to another family in need and listen carefully so that I hear their needs and can be used by the Lord to meet them. I have a dedicated book of stamps in my wallet that are used for encouragement cards. And I notice if I have a lot of stamps, I got a lot of cards to write. I can look at my calendar. Now I'm a visual kid. So I have three squares in my calendar and for every day. The top square is self or family, you know, things like haircuts. And then the middle one is for work or ministry. Um, they can be action items like a deadline coming up. And the third one at the bottom is others and service. And so very quickly, as I plan out my day on Sunday nights, or I plan out my week on Sunday nights, um, I can look at all the squares and say, wow, it looks like the service area, I don't have many things in there. And so, I, Lord, I pray that you would open up my time and show me where you would have me serve the needs of others. I'm available. Amen. <laughs> and sometimes my prayers can sound like that, very casual, but the Lord can you know, certainly hear us and that he hears our approachable prayers and he will honor that. So throughout the week, I can see, you know what? I was able to help a friend out who needed to drop her son off while she took her daughter to the doctor at the last minute. And I will see throughout the week how the Lord fills that time. I also share life with my kids. So, for example, if I want them to have a heart for service or seeing others, we pray that God would make opportunities available to serve others. And we've been able to do that in big ways as a family. You know, a small way this week is our daughter wanted to share some extra food and items with a family who's in need. And so one of the simple ways we could do that in our community is to buy some extra food and put it in some public pantries that are available any time of day or night. So I took them with us or with me to the store and we shopped for some food and items and tucked them in because I was serving others, but I was also teaching them to, to do the same. I found that I can't teach what I don't know. And if I want a life that is full and rich, that it is going to involve people. Recently, we went through a quarantine time where families around the globe we're in quarantine. And one of the biggest lessons I learned from that is that life is about people and it's not about me. And I really miss those connections, those live connections with people, probably most of all. So if you would pray with me as we conclude this week's subject, Lord, would you open our eyes to see what you see? Open our hands 
to not hold things so tightly that we forget to give back to you. Open our lives to include others. Would you grant us margin in our day and in our week so that we have space to include people that need to feel your love? Open our hearts to share you in practical ways with people you entrust us with this week. Amen. Oh, that's so good. Kelly, thank you. I I know that whenever it's about me, I can feel myself being right about everything. And then what happens is it just creates these walls in my heart, with people, within my marriage, you name it. And it's so hard to break free from that because when we feel like if we've been wronged or just if we're not being heard, it's like we become so self-focused. And I need this reminder that when I take a step back, when I fix my eyes on the cross and on what Jesus has done for me, everything shifts. It's not that it's, you know, that my happiness or my needs aren't important at all. It's that he, that Jesus has done so much on my behalf that it gets my eyes off of being fixated on me. And that just again changes everything because then I can approach people. I can approach life, my even inconveniences, my interruptions, uh, my husband, everything through that lens of the cross versus what Amanda needs, what Amanda wants, what Amanda thinks. And so that's just our prayer over you that we can fix our eyes on him and he holds all things together, scripture says. And so that's why we come back to, oh yeah, it's not about me. It's about him. And so therefore, how do I honor myself, my people, my marriage through that lens? All right. All right. We can move on, but I just love this topic so much. Again, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing. Her website is kellybrinkman.com and she is linked in the show notes. Ladies, we love you. Head over to collective.awifelikeme.com. Invest, invest, invest in your marriage. You will not regret it. We love you and we will see you back here next week for an all new episode. Bye, friend. Bye.